Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. So welcome back, everyone. Again this week, uh, it has been a fairly interesting week in the world, a lot of things going on. But as usual, I'm going to bring to you someone who, uh, if you are a leader, this is a topic that I'm sure you're going to be interested in. Today, I posted about uh, today's leader who is a leading expert in communications with a lot of years of experience as an educator, an author, a podcast host, and a coach. And so we're going to talk a little bit about um, an article uh, that he wrote, but most importantly, we're going to get to a recently released book. And so I'm pleased to uh, introduce to you Matt Abrahams. Uh, welcome, Matt. So glad to be with you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, glad to have you here. So Matt is a lecturer in organizational behavior at Stanford University uh, Graduate School of Business, and he teaches classes in strategic communication and effective virtual presenting. So I'm going to stop there with the kind of here's the resume because you know every week this this goes so fast, and I don't want to waste any time because Matt, your everything that I've I've read that you're doing is just so interesting. Um, and and the work, particularly around communication and strategic communication, uh, is is particularly interesting to me as a professor in a leadership preparation uh, program. Uh, I am uh, in a department that is the Department of Organization and Leadership at Columbia University, and and we we this is a very important topic for us. Uh, that uh, lead and, and for the leaders that we turn out. So I'd like to um, stop and give you an opportunity first. Tell me a little bit about yourself, the work that you're currently doing, and then let's talk a little bit because I have some questions and I'm sure there are things that you'd like to share about the work that you're doing. So tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got where you are uh, today. Sure. Thank you for the opportunity. And the work that you do in preparing teachers and administrators is so critical. Uh, when I left high tech, so I, after my graduate degree uh, in communication, I went and worked in high tech for, for 10 years or so. And then I went to the classroom. I taught high school in a public school wow. where I lived for, for, yeah. for two years. And then I graduated. I taught at a community college for almost 15 years. And, and now I am at Stanford's Graduate School of Business where I work with uh, some of the best and brightest MBAs. So I, awesome. I have the utmost respect for people, for teachers who are in classrooms working with kids and young adults. And uh, thank you. So, you know, I give you a little bit of preview of my, my background. I, I found communication early in my life as something I was passionate about. I was fortunate enough to go to school and study it and do some research in it and then actually apply it in the, in the workforce. I see it as critical to success, not just in our professional lives, but in our personal lives as well. And when it comes to leadership, I, I think that communication is operationalized leadership. It is how we lead is through the way we communicate, the way we listen, the way we show up. So 
uh, I think you and I are aligned on the importance of communication in the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, you know, I have a number of students that will, any, at any given time, will say to me, um, so how do, you, how do you do that? You know, you stand and you talk, and even when I've given keynote addresses, and a lot of times, I, I mean, I, I don't like to use notes or anything, but there are things that I know I want to talk about. And, and one of the important things that I tell people is that it's practice. It is about, you know, some of it is you kind of naturally, uh, in some cases, have the ability to speak and communicate, but that it is you, you, you stand and you study the craft like anything else can make a huge difference. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about your advice. Uh, since this is what you do on a regular basis, I, I'm kind of an occasional speaker, but, uh, you, <laughs> you know, you teach it. So um, what's the advice you give to aspiring leaders and even veteran leaders about saying that uh, I, I know that I, I need to get better at communication and speaking? What's your advice to them? Uh, absolutely. And, and first and foremost, everybody can get better. And some people just feel that they're those who are born with the gift of gab and the ability to communicate, but that's not true. Uh, We can all learn to get better. Now, certainly some people have uh, more experience or perhaps through personality type uh, have a little bit of a lead in it, but we can all work. And I think you you nailed the, the most important thing is we have to give ourselves practice. The only way you get better at communication is how you get better at anything else in life. It's three things, repetition, reflection, and feedback. You have to get the reps in. If you've learned a new instrument, you take on a new sport, how do you get better at it? You do it and you practice. But then you also have to take time to reflect. Maybe this is watching videos. Maybe this is thinking about what happened. But you need to reflect because there's that definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. You can't do that with communication. We have to think about what worked, what didn't. And then finally, you need to solicit feedback. You need to look for teachers. You need to look for coaches. You need to look for books, podcasts, videos. These are all the ways that we get feedback. And then that's how we improve. But the number one thing is we can all get better if we invest the effort. Right, right. Uh, absolutely. And um, I, I'd love to start. You know, I, I was introduced to you, and I'm sure a lot of people who have listened to me over the years have heard me and probably tired of me saying, you know, fast company, fast company. I promise they're not saying <laughs> me to say this, but they have so many great uh, short articles that really are powerful. And you you hit one, nailed one. Uh, recently that which was how I got exposed to you and I started reading a lot of your your work uh, thereafter um, I'd love to start with where I learned about you which was uh, and what caught my attention was an article you wrote on how to respond to questions you can't answer now I have often said to people that uh, in, a, in a leadership role there should be very little that catches you off guard that you should. And what I mean by that, not that there aren't questions you didn't, you didn't necessarily anticipate, but that your responses, there are responses that you learn that when you are in certain situations, how to frame them, how to, how to buy yourself more time, not just necessarily in the moment, but uh, until the next time we meet or until uh, another day, um, that 
that make a huge difference. And so you had an approach, and that's the reason I was saying about strategic communication is under uh, valued, I think. I think a lot of people talk about communication, but I think in leadership roles that we really need to devote uh, a substantial amount of time to really thinking about strategic communication. And so you had a great way of framing what do that I'd love for you to take me through uh, when posed with a, uh, a hard question, maybe a practical question, something that was uncomfortable or what have you. So I'd love to hear you uh, frame that and, and take me through what your suggestion is about how to handle that. Excellent. Absolutely. Q&A is a crucible for many people. They feel like they are being put under threat and challenge. And there are a few things to think about. First, for most people, when they're in that moment of getting a question, you need to buy yourself a little time to think of an answer. A great way to do that is to ask a clarifying question or paraphrase the question, extract some key element of it and state that. Both of those not only demonstrate you're really interested in answering the question, but they also buy you a little bit of time. Now, sometimes we get asked questions where we really don't know the answer. And my advice is always say, I don't know. You don't want to be guessing. You don't want to be putting yourself in a difficult situation. So mm -hmm. simply say, I don't know, but immediately follow it up with two things. First, explain how and when you're going to get the answer. And then uh -huh. second, if you have a hunch or an inkling, share that. So it might sound something like this. I don't know your answer, Brian, but I'm going to go ask Catherine, and I'll get back to you within 24 hours, and I think or I have a hunch the answer is going to be this. So when you don't know, admit it, but give some additional information. Now, what you're asking about is the opposite, where you do know the answer, but for whatever reason, it is not appropriate for you to share that answer. Maybe it's privileged information. Maybe there are legal restrictions or something that prevents you from saying it. And so I have uh, some three ideas that people can use, three strategic techniques you can use. And they all rhyme. So it's uh, blame, refrain, or explain. Blame, refrain, or explain. So blame, blame, blame is where you blame some rule or procedure that prevents you from actually answering the question. So it might be it as our company's policy not to comment on deals before they're closed, for example. So mm -hmm. that's you're blaming the reason you can't answer on something. Reframe is where you take the question and you change it to be about something that you can talk about. So mm -hmm. if somebody is asking you a question about a particular feature coming in the product and you don't want to reveal if that's coming or not because it might affect your competitors, you might reframe it to be a, a more broad question. So if somebody says, well, you have that particular feature that allows me to save copies automatically of whatever I do, you might say, I can't comment on that feature, but I can tell you whatever we do will be, uh, when we do look to help our customers, copying is something that we've heard about as well as these other things. So you don't commit in the answer. Mm -hmm. And then finally is, is explain. So uh, I, I had this happen to me with several people I coach who've gone for IPO roadshows. So they're going to go public. And the CFOs are always asked questions, when are you going public or what is this going to look like? And they can't say. They're contractually, legally bound not to say. So what right. they do is they'll say, I can't, I can't answer that question, but these are the conditions that would need to be true in order for that to happen. So mm -hmm. rather than give an answer, they explain the situation that would lead to the, the answer that the folks have asked about. So we've got a blame, 
we've got to reframe, and we've got to explain. And those are three tools you can use to handle the questions that you find you know the answer to, but you can't reveal. You can't. You can't. Absolutely. Uh, I've I've mentioned to actually I've when it comes to uh, situations of decisions, I know that I've I've encountered where you I've asked leaders or even aspiring leaders. So, what's your leadership style? And I've had some people say. Well, my leadership style is I'm always I make decisions. I don't make decisions without including everyone. Someone, everyone has to be a part of how I make decisions. And I immediately think, well, mm, not very good decision maker um, because there are times when people don't have all the information, and and it's not because they're not smart enough to have it. It's because they can't have it. And you, as a leader, are the person who has certain information. And so you're asking people to make decisions about incomplete information. So that's one thing. I think likewise, when you're in in a communication circumstance where there are things people are asking you for explicitly, I want to know why. That's a big one, right? We hear that a lot. Why this or why that? And there are times when you just can't. Being able, and so thank you for how to frame those, but being able to reframe those in some cases, uh, very, very important. And I, I, I love the idea. I mean, some people uh, might take issue with you saying blame it, um, but the, the truth is, is that there are some restrictions on what you can talk about in, when you have, you're in a leadership role. That's the reason you're the leader and some things you can't talk about. Uh, so uh, that I think that's very helpful. Uh, I'm also at the very beginning. I mentioned uh, for those of you who might be joining us a little late. I'm I'm talking with Matt Abrahams, who is a uh, lecturer and an author uh, with a uh, recently released book that we're going to talk about a little bit, um, and and is an expert in uh, strategic communication. Uh, the book that um, Matt has recently released is entitled Think Faster, Talk Smarter, with the subtitle How to Success How to Speak Successfully When You're Put on the Spot. This is a big one because in leadership, not just politics, but in leadership, you're often asked questions but asked to say something um, uh, extemporaneously. So um, I I had I've just started um, your book, Matt. Um, and so I'm, I'm not well enough along to uh, say a whole lot, but I know um, in the first few chapters you're talking about things that are within your control about that have to do with you, like um, dealing with, with what happens a lot when we're put on the spot, having anxiety about that. Um, and so I'd love you to take us through and give us some kind of big picture components because I can already tell that this is going to be one of those books that I recommend to a lot of people uh, that are struggling with speaking. So I'd love to hear you take us through it. Great, and thank you, and I'm glad you have the book and you're already getting some value out of it. So when you think about it, most of our communication, regardless of if we're leaders or just you know in our everyday lives, is not planned, it's spontaneous. And if any of us have had any training in communication, it typically focuses on planned communication. You have a script, you have an agenda, you have a slide deck, 
But that's not how life happens. Somebody might ask you a question at the end of a presentation or at the end of the meeting. Somebody might say, what's your feedback? You might be called upon to introduce someone or make small talk. So these are all things that happen in the moment. And most mm-hmm. of us have never been coached or trained on how to do that. So I developed a six-step methodology that came out of a need. Uh, my, the deans at Stanford's Graduate School of Business several years ago came to me and said, we have a problem. Our amazingly bright and talented business school students are really struggling with cold calls. Now, you're an academic, and you know what cold calls are, but for those mm-hmm. who don't, it's where the professor points at somebody and says, what do you think? And our students who even knew the answers were struggling in that moment. So they said, is there something you can do as somebody who studies communication? I did a deep dive in lots of fields, psychology, sociology, biology, neuroscience, and even acting and improvisation. And from that developed a six-step methodology that every Stanford graduate school of business student has the option to take in the first couple weeks of, the, of their uh, time at Stanford uh, that helps them. And so the methodology has six steps, and the first four steps can be categorized under mindset, and that's what you were talking about. And then Mm -hmm. the second two steps have to do with messaging. So very quickly, the four steps of mindset first have to do with managing anxiety. In any communication, anxiety looms large. People get nervous in high-stakes situations, and speaking in the moment is a high-stakes situation. The second step is getting out of our own way. When we're put on the spot, we want to perform perfectly. We want to do it right. And the desire to do it right actually burdens us in such a way that we don't do it very well. Our desire to get it right precludes us from having full mental energy in what we're doing. The third step has to do with reframing these situations, not as threats, but as opportunities. Many of us see getting asked questions in the moment, being asked for our feedback as challenges and threats. And that changes how we feel and how we communicate. If we see them as opportunities to extend and expand, it changes our whole demeanor and the quality of our responses. And then the fourth step in mindset has to do with listening. And many people think, but you're talking about speaking and communicating. Listening is a critical part. And we have to listen not just for what's said, but how it's said. I might miss something if I don't listen well enough. And the reality is most of us aren't good listeners. We listen just enough to get the gist of what somebody's saying. So that's mindset. And then we switch to actually what we say. And we need to, the first step, chapter five, the fifth step is all about structure. You, I'm sure Brian, I'm sure everybody else is, when we listen to people speak, often people will just ramble, especially in spontaneous speaking. They're mm-hmm. discovering their responses as they're responding. Our brains are not designed for rambling lists of information. Yeah. Our brains yeah. are designed for structure, something that yeah. has a beginning, middle, and an end. So st- step five is all about finding structure, using structure. And then the final step is what I call the F word of communication. It's not that naughty word. It's focus. Mm-hmm. Many of us say much more than we need to say. We need to be more concise and clear. And chapter six is all about How do you take the structure that we talked about, the proper mindset, and then communicate in a clear and concise way? So that's Mm. the entire approach in the book. The first half of the book is all about the methodology. The second half gives very specific advice for six very common spontaneous speaking situations. So long-winded answer, but a lot there to talk about. No, 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 absolutely great. Thank you. Thank you so much for it. You know, what I was going to say is that what I love, and I haven't made it to part two, where I know you have six applications to uh, yep. to the to your advice, um, 
Um, but what I love so far is you have so many great examples. And so a lot of times people read books like this and it's just talking about theory, you know, the structure of how you should do things, but you have so many great examples. Um, so I wanted to commend you on that. Um, and it's, it seems like there are, there's a lot that just about anyone can identify with if you, but particularly, I don't know if you, you wrote this for leaders, but I know you wrote it for business school. So, but, but it just, I kept thinking this is great for the person who is trying to hone their leadership skills, but particularly in communication. Um, great, great examples. Uh, the other thing I wanted to share with you, so I teach a class uh, in our master's degree program in public school leadership mm -hmm. that is called the uh, Introduction to Leadership and Decision-Making. And uh, back when you were talking about cold calls, I know if I have any of my students, current or former students, they know that um, we do a lot of that in this, um, this course mm -hmm. where, where they have to stand up and I tell them, you know, at the very beginning, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you 45 seconds. There's a case that they've read the previous night. I'm going to give you 45 seconds when, uh, and you're going to stand up and, and essentially uh, frame the case and tell us the decision you're going to make in 45 seconds. And so they, wow. they, they start out thinking I'm crazy. But each, each, about every three days, I take off five seconds until we get down to 30 seconds. And so initially, they don't think that they can do it. And I say, you know, the lesson I want you to learn in all of this is that a lot of times we waste a lot of words. That to communicate what this case is about doesn't take a lot. You, you have to be thoughtful. And so part of what you, what you talked about in terms of structure that's what they eventually learn is how to structure what they want to say. They tell a story, mm -hmm. and the next thing you, I mean, you tell the story really in four or five sentences, and then the solution is this. So um, that, I, I think that goes across where um, people, um, if they take the time uh, to, to answer questions, they'll be successful. I do want to ask you, because I know there's sometimes that people have been put on the spot. There's a very famous um, uh, example of when um, uh, a, a number of people, but Steve Jobs was, was put on the spot by a heckler in the audience. You've probably seen it before, and people talk about it's one of the great examples of uh, or great uh, examples of master class in, in emotional intelligence or what have you. But um, tell me what you think about when a, a leader is asked a question and they, they pause uh, it, for some for a period of time to think before they respond, but for some people they're a little uncomfortable during this time when the question is asked. What, what's your opinion on what is the sweet spot of taking your time to thoughtfully respond? So many things you said there that are so important. Uh, I love that you scaffold your students so that they feel more comfortable over time. And the unlock that you give to them is story. Structure is what really helps them do that. That is an exact, a great example of how to train yourself and train others. So mm -hmm. by, by 
gradually working towards that. So I love that you do that, and I love that your students benefit from, from that activity. So thank you for sharing that. When it comes to pausing, many of us are very uncomfortable with silence. But we have to realize that in silence, a lot of work is being done, not just by you, but by your audience, by the person or people you're talking to. They're processing information. They're connecting the dots. They're mustering courage to respond. So there's a lot that's going on in that moment or in those moments. Now, the question of how long, that is really hard to answer. Yeah, I'll yeah. give you one example that I personally use. So when I ask an audience, are there questions about the topics that I have just discussed, I will literally count to five seconds. I will do one 1,000, two 1,000, because I know myself, mm. I get a little uncomfortable with that silence when I ask for questions and none come in. And by counting to five, that forces me to stay silent for that long. And often in that silence, somebody will then speak. But it's really, it's really hard to say 3.2 seconds or, or something like that. You, <laughs> yeah. you need to realize that, that your measure of time and your audience's measure of time are different uh, because of the intensity with which you're focusing on it. I just like to say pause, and pausing is acceptable. Know that you can do it too much, but most people don't do it enough. So I would rather err on doing it a little longer than not doing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's very helpful. I I have been and I've been in in speeches or I've been where there's Q and A at the end or I've been uh, in a presentation where someone was asked a difficult question and to me I start I start to sweat <laughs> even though I'm not <laughs> yeah. doing doing yeah, the presentation yeah. because. I think a lot of us who've been in that situation want the other person to be successful because you know how it feels to be in that situation. Um, but I, there's so much that I, I, I do um, so far, as I said, I'm not, I'm not all the way through, but it's just so much that I appreciate also about how you've uh, started building in the, in, in the book, moving towards, uh, the more difficult concepts of getting, because I think everyone knows that you have to focus. Everyone knows that you you need some kind of uh, structure, if you will, to your what you're saying. But um, and to make it clear, but where you start is what they really have control over, and you start out with tame your your anxiety, starting there, mm -hmm. and then moving forward. So you too have done a great job of building that and scaffolding um, the experience. So that, that's awesome. Um, but, but, and, and I know we're getting close and close to the end. I, so tell me, what is your big takeaway of what you want people to really know from your book? What is it that you, I know you, it is about how to speak successfully. Um, uh, what is it that people generally aren't doing well uh, when they're put on the spot? And that, that's what I, uh, I, I want I want to kind of hear about that uh, might be helpful to someone. Great. I'm going to give you three. Uh, I've already mentioned one. We can all get better at this. So yeah. many people feel like they just, this is something that they just can't do it and, and it, it's not for them. That is a mistake. You can actually learn to get better at this. It takes effort, but you can. So that's number one. Number two Regardless of the type of communication you're doing, planned or spontaneous, in person or virtual, 
Your job is always to be in service of your audience. What you are doing and saying is to benefit your audience. It's not just about getting through your material. Some people define success as just getting their material out. That's not it. That material has to connect. It's about connection, not perfection. And then the final piece is really that structure is key. Structure helps you focus. Structure helps you as a communicator prioritize what you're saying, and it helps you package it up for your audience to receive. So Mm -hmm. those are three of the strongest, most important messages, not just in my book, but in all the work that I do in my coaching, in my teaching, in my podcasting to really help people get better. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, for sharing that. Um, So as we get ready to close out, please, Matt, tell us uh, where people might be able to follow you. You mentioned a podcast, but uh, any books that you have, uh, I've mentioned one, but feel free to to talk about, uh, mention that one, the name again, um, where they can uh, see you. I know you contribute to um, uh, Fast Company, but if there are other places that people Mm -hmm. can follow you and support you. Thank you for the opportunity. The single best place, the one source of truth for everything that I do is just at my name.com, Matt, M-A-T-T, Abrahams, A-B-R-A-H-A-M-S.com. Uh, I host the podcast, Think Fast, Talk Smart. It's all about communication, 20-minute bite-sized episodes. Uh, the book, the new book is called Think Faster, Talk Smarter. You can see I'm not that creative with names. I have a previous book called Speaking Up Without Freaking Out. It's all about managing anxiety around communication. I'm a big user of LinkedIn. Anybody on LinkedIn can follow me, can follow the podcast. And fundamentally, I just hope people feel empowered to work on their communication so they can feel comfortable and confident sharing their point of view. Thank you for this opportunity. Well, thank you for being on and uh, wishing you the best. And um, I, I will definitely finish this. And as I said, I'm sure it's going to be one of those that I recommend to a lot of people. So Matt, go well, stay well. Thank you. Same to you. 